This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome, welcome once again to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 20th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. Yep, to 2020. And, you know, where were you today at 2.20 p.m.? Well, we've all been watching the news, and yes, the coronavirus affects business and commerce, so it affects it effect is felt in the markets as well. So we had a little bit of sell-off uh, today. Kind of for the first time, I think uh, this is really gaining traction as a a longer-term uh, problem. Uh, now when I say longer-term, I mean months and months as opposed to more like weeks and weeks, right? We've been, uh, we've been dealing with this for a little over a month now in... Uh, in an aggressive way, right, where you're seeing hundreds of new uh, diagnoses every single day. So that's probably been about a month since that happened. Uh, but I think investors are starting to take it a little bit more seriously. So we're going to dig into that. Now you're listening to Invest Talk, and obviously you want strategy to help you deal with volatility so you can be prepared and you can achieve your own goal of financial freedom. But that's one reason why you listen to the program, right? And you want strategies to deal with this volatility as you work to achieve and save, achieve that whatever goals you might have and save. And, and I talk about this, I would say regularly, but I don't think enough. Uh, you know, we call this show Invest Talk, but it really should be called Save Talk uh, because saving is going to be the main driver of whatever. Uh, whatever goals you have financially. Investing is a great tool and it's certainly necessary to leverage what you do save. However, saving is going to be far more important. So we're going to touch on everything from investment to personal finance to uh, economic backdrop of the economy and anything money related on today's show. So I'm Justin Klein. I hope you'll call me in this hour with your investment questions whatever is on your mind i want to hear from you 888 chart 888 now through this invest talk radio program and podcast and my company kpp financial i can help you become a better investor that's what steve and i strive to do each and every day on invest talk and we do this by implementing implementing a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success now we are different from other investment advisors because we are dedicated to unbiased guidance. We're not collecting big commissions or anything based on something we're pushing. And we only rec- recommend investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. It's what we call parallel investing. Now that I've set things up for this hour, I'm here. I'm ready to answer your investing and finance questions. Our anytime listener line is open, and I'm taking your calls live at 888 chart Now, let me mention San Jose. I will be traveling up there. Uh, this will be the first time I'm uh, sitting down with clients in San Jose. I know Steve typically does it, but I'm going to be making the trip on March 20th to meet with registered listeners and clients. 
who understand the value of receiving a no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review. So he will be in San Jose this next week on February 27th, but he is full. He's booked up very strong demand, so that's why I'm going up there a little less than a month later. So if you want to register and you want to sit down with me, just go over to investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that City Analyst says that gold may top $2,000 an ounce in the next 12 to 24 months. Now, we've seen a strong move in gold over the past year or so on a lot of different factors from easy monetary policy from central banks, global slowdown in economic growth, and now you have the coronavirus fear. So we're going to touch on all of those things. Also, dividend investing. How should you invest in dividends? How should you go about dividend investing? I know we're we're, we're an income-focused investment shop, right? We focus on income far more than we typically focus on capital appreciation. And so history has taught us a few lessons. I'm going to go over a checklist of ways that you can be a better dividend investor. And hint, hint, it's not chasing the highest dividend. Also, biases. We all have biases in our investment philosophy and our decision-making process. And we're going to talk about the biases that people are most prone to and how you can avoid them. So those are the topics that are on my mind for today, but ultimately I want to hear from you. I'm going to touch on the market real quick. Modest down day. Gold was strong. You had REIT strong with rates down. Uh, Market's now pricing in even higher likelihood of a rate cut by the end of the year uh, on the back of coronavirus, which likely is going to be with us for a while, unfortunately. Let's go to Andre in Los Angeles looking at SWM, which, which is... Schweitzer Maduit. I never figured out how to say this name of this company. Do you know? I, I don't know, <laughs> but I was I was wondering. <laughs> it's, I, I it's looked a tough at one. it, and it seems like a pretty good value, and the fundamentals seem pretty good. I was just wondering what your take was on it. Uh, we've definitely looked at this name uh, throughout the years. Now, what this company does is they manufacture cigarette paper and reconstructed tobacco products for the tobacco manufacturers. So their business is fairly steady, right, because of the industry that they're in. The problem is, is that it's also an industry that's not really growing very well. Uh, now, you can argue the potential legalization of marijuana might m- allow uh, them to open up their business a little bit more to that side of the marketplace. So that's probably their growth opportunity, but uh, that hasn't come to fruition uh, anytime soon. Uh, and their earnings basically since 2000, since, since the financial crisis have basically been flat. They've earned between $3.18 and $3.82 and since 2013. And it's fluctuated you know, from there. Uh, so it's clearly not a grower and you're after that 5.2% dividend, it sounds like, correct? Yeah, this would be for an income portfolio, but it's, I, mm-hmm. I think the payout ratio is about 7%. I also have a question about the cash payout ratio. Do you use free cash flow for that or do you do like operational cash flow? Uh, we use operating cash flow because free cash flow backs out the dividend payment already. 
right? So um, yeah, I would use operating cash flow. So yes, based on the earnings, it's a payout ratio is about 75%, which is getting up there. But based on cash flow, that's 41%. So I definitely think they can afford their dividend. Uh, their, their debt is about $500 million on a billion dollar market cap, which is not a crazy amount either, considering the consistency of their business. Uh, but my biggest issue, and the reason we never really stepped in uh, on this name uh, to, a, to, to any big degree ever, was because of the lack of growth. Um, and they're not buying back shares uh, with, with that cash flow. They're really just uh, paying out that dividend. So uh, I, I think they need to change their capital structure a little bit more. They need to find a, a growth uh, avenue, and then it can can really take off. But this kind of connects to one of my talking points a little later, so stay tuned for that. Uh, which is don't focus on that that dividend yield alone. You have to look at other things, uh, and so we're going to talk about that a little later. So that's why I would pass on this, and I'm going to talk about in more detail why a little bit later. Thanks, Andre. You're listening. To Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. We present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday, and it broadcasts and streams live in the four o'clock Pacific time hour each weekday. Whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to contact myself or Steve Peasley at the KP Financial Office or explore our podcast library. You can search, listen, and subscribe. Please take a second to rate the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Justin Klein is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance, and the phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. go to Nathan in Ohio looking at United States Steel Corporation. Symbol is X. And this is a name that is definitely down on its luck. Had a nice boost from the Trump election, but has pretty much declined consistently since early 2018. It was at a high of uh, close to $50 a share. Now we're down to $9 a share. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Um, basically I'm, I'm 35 and I'm just now getting into, uh, getting into the stock market. Um, I've got some growth stocks. Um, I'm looking to diversify and I'm looking at this, uh, maybe to pick up some to, um, get some type of dividends or something. Uh, I know the U.S. deal is taking a beating. Um, and I just, I, I look at it as, uh, it's been at a discount, um, Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let me. <laughs> that's why I'm calling you, I guess. <laughs> um, gotcha, I'd like to okay. pick it up at 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 nine dollars or so. I don't think that it's really going to go much lower than that, and I'd like to hold on to it for a long time and collect dividends for a long time. Well, United States Steel Corporation has a a very up and down history. Uh, one year they'll make big money. Uh, next year they'll lose a bunch of money, and you can just see that over the last ten years. 2014 and 2018 were great years. They made 4.47 and 14 and five dollars and forty cents in 2018. Uh, but you have years like 2013, 15, 16, 2020 expected this year, all expected to beat uh, negative earnings. Uh, Years, so it's very up and down. Uh, 
it's, it's what I would call, or what we call in the economic world, a price taker, right? They make steel. They don't have what would I, what I consider an economic moat around their business. Uh, they're just uh, operating at the whims of the steel industry. Uh, now, the, the Trump was supposed to come in and protect the steel workers and do things to, to make the, the, their business a lot better. And I don't see that happening here. Uh, at least that's what the market is telling you, is that it's not doing, uh, uh, Trump has not done enough. Uh, and it doesn't look like he will, uh, at least in this term. So I, I don't think this is a name that I would be owning long term. It doesn't have a big dividend. Uh, it's cash flow and it's, it's earnings all are all over the place. It doesn't have a very strong balance sheet uh, based on uh, history. So I, I like what you're thinking, that you're trying to balance your growth side of your portfolio with something that's a little b better value, more uh, consistent dividend. Um, but this is not the type of name that uh, I, would, I would consider for that. This is something you would buy uh, on the depths of recession for a, a, a large recovery in their business. But this late in the cycle with this much debt, uh, the fact that Trump hasn't fixed their ills, uh, and I, I just don't see this as a very viable a long-term buy and hold. You're going to deal with a lot of volatility, and over an extended period of time, it's unlikely you're going to uh, earn a, a higher than average return on capital. So I would pass on U.S. Steel. Thanks for the call, Nathan. That's a, I, I like what he's thinking. I think everybody uh, should start th start thinking about your portfolios uh, with a little bit more what I would call bifurcation. So uh, you know, people get excited about technology stocks or growth stocks, uh, but they tend to not balance that out with consistent dividend payers, value stocks, uh, consistent businesses, right, that produce cash flows uh, and earnings over time. And when you diversify in that way, you have a steadier portfolio uh, and you're less at the whims of your emotions and, and uh, uh, the fickleness of the market. So I like what he's thinking. It's just X, you know, US Steel is not the name I would be using it for. This is Invest Talk. I understand that many of you feel the urgent need to get your portfolio in shape. You know, we're about, what, six weeks into the new year. And that's normal. But please remember, you are not alone. InvestTalk.com and KP Financial, we can help you. So give us a call. Reach out to us at 888-99-CHART. It's been another busy week for the markets, lots of news, and coronavirus uncertainty. But you're interested in achieving financial freedom. So you want and need unbiased investing guidance. You're in luck. Justin Klein is here now, and he's taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Take it through and ask your question on today's show. And you know we had a report today of coronavirus shipboard death of a quarantine passenger. So that was pretty shocking. And now hospitals across the U.S. are reportedly preparing for coronavirus outbreak that may become a global pandemic. Now, the good thing is there's only been about 15 cases confirmed here in the United States. But the biggest problem or potential problem is what they call super spreaders, where you have one person that can affect a bunch of people. And that actually has taken 
place in South Korea where one woman went to church and infected 40 other people uh, in South Korea or, you know, in that church. And now South Korea is the first country to have over 100 diagnosed cases. Uh, Japan is not far behind with 94, Singapore 84, Hong Kong 68, but that's, you know, I guess it'd be kind of, kind of China. Uh, and the rest are, are all under 40 cases, which is, which is a good thing. Um, but a larger spread of now what is being called COVID-19 across the U.S. Uh, or, or, or just across the world, overwhelming emergency rooms and causing supply shortages could actually be a possibility that is underappreciated. Now, is it the likely case? I don't think so, but it's also not likely this is over in the next week. And I said this last week, uh, week we said that the week before, I said this is going to drag out at least into the spring, maybe into the summer, and worst case into you know the, the fall or winter, or next winter, I guess. So this threat comes on the heels of what currently is the seasonal flu. And... Now, the seasonal flu kills way more people than coronavirus has in, you know, flu kills, kills hundreds of thousands of people a year, right? Uh, where this has killed the uh, total death to date about 2,200. Now, a lot of that's out of China. Uh, those, those numbers are, are hard to really, uh, to really trust. But what I'm looking at, and there's a great website from John Hopkins University, is and it shows where there are cases, what countries, how many. Uh, but there's a nice graph. Uh, and there's uh, mainland China, other locations, and then total recovered. Uh, but the, those total recovered in mainland China are hard to really decipher. And then you saw that last week with the change in their uh, description of who has it. But what's I'm, what I'm paying attention to, other locations, right? That's reports from all over the world. Uh, and whether that is slowing down, because that's far more important. It's already uh, a, a crisis in China, but if it reaches another continent, that becomes a pandemic. Uh, and if this continues to march higher, which it is, then you you are likely to have that. Uh, now, so but the World Health Organization for now says there's a low count of virus infections uh, outside of China, and that they're not too worried about it. Uh, but they also say it's likely to persist. So this is certainly underappreciated from the supply chain and our dependence on China, on our supply chain, not just for electronic goods, but even for a lot of medical devices, uh, pharmaceutical drugs, uh, etc. So this has not been discounted. And even Goldman Sachs came out today saying that a correction is coming and it has not been priced in, into the market. And I, and I definitely uh, agree with that. Now, why has the market ignored it so far? I don't know. Maybe because they look at back past problems like SARS uh, and it was very regional, very minor in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and we haven't seen a really a global pandemic since the, uh, what is it, the, the Spanish flu? in, what was it, 1918, I think it was. So about 100 years ago. Uh, so I, I think that's something everybody needs to be uh, considering, and it's becoming more and more likely as those other location cases continue to march higher. 
a really an exponential rate because even if you look at a log scale, it continues to march higher. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story. A city analyst says that gold may top $2,000 an ounce in the next 12 to 24 months. Now, I've been telling a lot of people for many, probably a few years now, but I think I've been pounding the table a little harder over the past uh, 12 to, to 18 months that gold, I think, is the asset to own right now, uh, not just because of coronavirus, which, you know, we didn't have coronavirus uh, six months, a year ago, etc., but mainly because of slowing economic growth and where central banks are in their cycle of trying to keep it going uh, and use utilizing aggressive monetary policy, money printing, negative rates in the case of, of, of Europe uh, and, and Japan. And this is, they're, they're at the end of the rope. Um, and Japan is a good example of this. Now, they just printed a negative 6% GDP growth for the fourth quarter. And that was before the coronavirus. And you're seeing the yen sell off pretty dramatically in the face of that. So uh, I think there could be, th th that'll be an interesting case to watch because that's definitely the most indebted sovereign nation in the world, Japan, and how that uh, plays out will, could affect the rest of the world. So uh, gold absolutely continues to be the number one asset everyone should be over allocated to. Now, the next and best talk, this story, according to a Yale economist, the market may face a pretty serious reckoning as the coronavirus slows, slow, slows growth and why. That story tomorrow. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset. Have a question about gold and silver. From dusk till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol S. TLD. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. I have started investing. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the, the language and, and what to look for. Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. I'm calling from Pleasanton, and my question is on Rimini Street, R-M-N-I. They're a growth stock, estimated market cap around $300 million, but it looks like they have very little debt, if any and have great uh, I think I got cut off there but uh, he's looking at Remini Street RMNI and this is a fairly small company it looked like it recently went IPO uh, a year or two ago and it's trading at five, $4.86 they're supposed to make 6 cents a share this year and 3 cents a share last year now revenue's growing in the low teens on average of the last year. So I wouldn't say it's a growth stock, uh, but they're certainly 
improving their financial position. Let's just say that positive free cash flow, trailing 12 months of 24 million on a $300 million market cap stock. That's pretty good. They've been buying back shares a little bit, uh, but they're relatively new. I mean, I'm only getting data back to 2016. So when you have a new company like that, and what they do is they provide enterprise software support uh, for or a lot of Oracle products, which uh, SAP, IBM, Microsoft, etc. So they're 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 riding the the wave of the types of software that these companies are. Uh, deploying for the business community, and that's a good thing. Uh, and they're, they're likely to do well on the back of the trend in that industry. So I like what you're looking at. It's not expensive uh, based on the, those figures, but it looks like it might have been a reverse merger, something weird with the shares. And that, that makes me a little weary of it um, just because of the history of the way the, trades have tra the shares have traded. Um, but uh, the business is fairly steady, fairly strong, uh, producing good cash flows, uh, but certainly high risk, high risk name trading at $4.86. Uh, but the value is definitely there as long as their business stays steady. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton looking at EA, which is a video game maker, one of the largest electronic arts. You looking to buy it or do you own it? I do not own it. I'm looking at it as a possible purchase. Um, Looks like they've been struggling a little bit, but um, pretty low PE, and looks like they have some uh, some new things coming out. So I'm wondering if you think that this might be an opportune time to purchase. Yeah, looking at uh, Electronic Arts develops video game software and content for game consoles, PCs, handheld platforms, and mobile phones. Now their business, I wouldn't say they're struggling at all. Revenue grew 24% last quarter. Earnings grew 31% last quarter. Now, for the year 2019, profits were down a little bit from $4.95 in 2018 to $4.25 last year. But they're expected to rebound this year to $4.71 and $4.96 next year, uh, which would be an all-time high in earnings. Now, no dividend, but very modest debt, which I like that. Uh, and I like the, the video game space in general. There's still a lot of runway with uh, different platforms. You still have the potential for... Um, virtual reality to, to catch on. Um, so I, I like the, the overall value here. Enterprise value is 18, which is not super cheap, but it's about in line. Um, so I would say it's probably fairly valued. It's not cheap. It's not expensive, but I like the space. Um, so I'll say that. Uh, and they do have a consistency of earning pretty good uh Return, return on equity, uh, return on invested capital, uh, and that makes me more attracted to the business, the fact that they consistently produce high returns on assets. Uh, and, and that's why I, I would say I, I like it, but it's not a bargain price. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I understand. It looks like um, they dropped a little bit after their last earnings report, but they're, they're kind of going sideways since then uh, and up a little mm -hmm. bit. So... Um, yeah, it looks like it might be an opportunity to get in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it was a little bit overbought. Uh, what was that mid part of last year? You know, last summer uh, around 140, and it sold off to 75. Now we're at 109. Uh, so I think definitely uh, 80, 90 dollars a share. It's pretty cheap, uh, but 110. I'd say it's it's fairly valued. And technically, it's it's not overbought, not oversold. 
Um, so the, the, what's what you're buying into? You're buying into a solid long-term business that has a, a consistency to it. Now, you're not going to get a dividend, but the cash flows are there uh, and they're buying back shares. And that's uh, a good thing. That's how they're returning capital to, to you, the shareholder, is share buybacks. And so that's why I like it for a long-term play, but don't think that this is a bargain price. Thanks for the call, Robert. Now let's keep going. Here comes another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hello, my name is Nathan from Marion, Ohio. I have a question to, uh, I guess, for Justin specifically. I am a relatively new investor. I love the, uh, love the program, and I've been investing in stocks now for the past year or so. But one thing that's caught my attention is options. Uh, Justin, can you please explain to me what exactly are options? Why do they exist? Also, if we already have the stock market, why do options exist? What are the calls and what are the put? You know, I see it on TV and I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. So if you could please explain to me, I'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Love the show. Bye. All right. Now, options are a form of derivatives and they and a derivative is just anything whose value is derived, so they call it derivative, from the value of another security of some type. Uh, and that could be a stock, it could be a commodity, etc. But that's that's a derivative, right? Now, options are derivatives on particular equities and sometimes ETFs, right? Now, they are the options, why they call them options, to buy or sell. A call is the option to buy. A put is an option to sell. And you can buy a call or you can sell a call. You can buy a put or you can sell a put, right? Because there's just like any security, there's buyers and sellers on each side. Now, the purpose of them uh, are, are twofold. Now, if you're selling options, you're likely trying to get some sort of income, right? You're trying to get that premium. You're trying to capture the premium that a buyer of the option would pay you. And buyers of options are typically going to be betting on the upside or the downside of a particular security. Now, calls are typically bought for price appreciation, uh, and puts are often used for uh, insurance, right? To make sure you're not losing a ton of money if the market crashes. Now, you're going to pay a premium for that, but a lot of people want that, like that uh, option to, pun intended, I guess, <laughs> to uh, hedge their portfolio. So that's in general kind of what options are for. Uh, history shows it's better to be an option seller than an option buyer uh, and because typically most options expire worthless. Okay, So that's, that's typically what, what, why it's better to be an option seller more often than not. Uh, it doesn't mean buying options can't be you can't be successful. You absolutely can, and you can. They're, they're leverage bets. The reason why you want to uh, buy a call, for example, is because you can put out just a few cents, uh, a few dollars a share, right, to bet on the upside of the stock, and you could earn ten, twenty, thirty dollars a share, and huge earn huge returns on your investment. And that's why a lot of people love option trading because it's a leveraged bet. If you really have conviction, you would rather own an option to buy it than the actually underlying security because you can deploy more capital and earn a much higher return. But if you're wrong, you can lose all of that investment 
rather quickly. That's why it's a leveraged bet on a particular security. So hope that gave you good overview of the option world. There's a lot more to unpack there that I don't have time for. A lot would take some uh, maybe a whiteboard to explain concepts and there's different strategies, straddles and strangles and all these different things uh, that uh, to, to you, you can utilize to achieve a particular strategy. Um, so they're very complex. Don't get into it lightly. A lot of people just jump in. You really need to understand options and the strategy you're going for in order to be successful. So don't think that this is something that you can just jump into. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. We keep down low statistics, or at least Libsyn, our uh, podcast hosting software, uh, keeps statistics. And we know that many thousands of people download our program each and every day. In January, for example, we had a monthly total of over a half a million downloads, 500, I think it was 60,000 ish or so. And I want to thank you for that. Please be sure to tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk and our website, investtalk.com. And we have some resources for you there to assist you in your goal of building a solid financial future. And of course, you can call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California as well. We would love to help. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley will be in San Jose, California to conduct his no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review consultations on February 27th. But Steve has already filled his appointment schedule for that day. So, a new consultation date has been added. On March 20th, Justin Klein will travel to San Jose. Serious investors should go to the Portfolio Review page at investtalk.com and register early for the best times. And now, you want unbiased answers, and Steve and Justin are ready to take your questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about 10, 12 minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Now, near the top of the show, we had a call on, I forget the, the I can't pronounce the name of the company, but the symbol is SWM, and they are a dividend payer, consistent dividend, consistent earnings, not a grower, uh, yields about 5.4%, and uh, the caller was asking whether they should buy it or not, and uh, I said, the reason I don't like it is because they can't grow their dividend, can't grow their earnings, uh, and that's a worry for me, and you know, we at KP Financial are very income focused, either that's uh, through fixed income, through bond ladders is our typical way on the bond side to uh, earn interest for our clients. And on the stock side, it's dividends. Uh, and for a lot of people, they think dividend investing is simple. You go look at the dividend. What's the dividend rate? Is it 5%? Is it 4%? Is it 7%? What is the dividend? And Statistics show, our experience shows, anybody who has experience in the game knows that by no way, shape, or form is dividend, the dividend yield, the number one thing you should look at. It's extremely down the list, way down the list of things that you should consider when you're trying to be a successful dividend investor. Now, the first thing you need to look for are dividend growers. 
Now, dividend stocks as a group outperform the indexes over time. But companies that historically increase their dividends do much, much better, whereas companies with just kind of flat, consistent dividends tend to be average performers. So you want to look for dividend growers. So it's not just about what they pay out today, but how likely are they to increase that dividend over time. And that goes to number two, and that's companies that earn high returns on capital. So it's about sustained cash flow. And if they have sustained cash flow, they're more likely to increase that dividend. So a good long-term investment record is key. And studies show that companies with great investment track records, meaning investing in their business, have a 95% chance of repeating their success in the next year and an 80% chance of doing over doing that over the next four years. So you want to look for cash flow return on investment greater than 10% for the last 10 years or more. So consistency long-term of strong cash flow and consistent generation. Number three, look for moderate dividend yields. And the reason is because moderate dividend yields make it easy for companies to hike their dividend. Right? There's more room to grow. It's like the law of large numbers. So high dividends are not always attractive. Oftentimes it means companies are less likely to increase that payout or they're paying too much and they need to cut it down the line. So if you're looking for dividend bargains, you want to make sure that they have strong return on capital track records in order to maintain that dividend over the long term. And that's the most important thing as opposed to what the actual dividend yield is today. Number four is simple, strong balance sheets. Just simply look for companies with minimal debt compared to the size of their revenues and cash flow. And that is, those are companies that are more likely to continue to pay that dividend and not cut it. Also, go with cheap stocks. Look for, it's not, it's not saying don't look for batten, uh, stocks that are beaten down. You should. But make sure that they're short term, that they're minor, and that their long-term track record of earning above average returns on their capital will continue. Number six, don't get over diversified. 30 to 35% of the, uh, 35 to 30, Sorry, 30 to 35 stocks is probably what you should own somewhere in that neighborhood, about 3% on average per position. Don't be owning a billion names. Also, don't limit yourself to U.S. stocks. There are many great dividend payers overseas and oftentimes much better bargains, especially in this market. And at the end of the day, focus on the numbers, not the stories. Focus on the numbers. And the number one rule going from the top is to get good dividend stocks, don't look at the dividend. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here and to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. So we're going to the last break, and give me a call at 888 chart. On the next Invest Talk, this story, according to a Yale economist, the markets may face a pretty serious reckoning as the coronavirus slows growth of the global economy. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 
Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Steve in Oakland looking at Vodafone Group, a UK telecom company, one of the largest in the world, $59 billion market cap. You looking to buy it or do you own it? No, Justin, I've kind of been struggling. I actually purchased it in 2018 and have been holding it and you know, it's just been down since and just haven't seen it go up. So I'm just wondering, should I just let it go? Well, I'll give you the pros and the cons here. Well, the, pro, the pros are that the technicals are looking much, much better. It broke out uh, in August of last year above the 200-day moving average and has been marching fairly steadily higher kind of consolidating in a very bullish manner. So I like that. I, I think a lot of UK stocks as well are undervalued because of the Brexit fears, which I think it'll just take some uh, adjusting. Now, yields about 4.7%, which is nice, but going back to what I just said, that's not uh, the, the number one thing you should be looking at. Uh, uh, are you after that dividend, or are you thinking this is like a good value play? You know, it was after the dividend back in 2018. I, I came in at 21.70, and I know it's at 20 now, but I, I really would be in it for, for the dividend, Justin. Okay. Well, that dividend has been cut. I don't know if you know that. Um, so that's a little bit of a worry here. Um, and I just don't like its long-term profit, profit track record. Uh, it's in the early 2010s. I guess you call it now, uh, the return on equity was kind of high single digits. But over the last five years or so, it's been negative for almost every year except for 2018. So that worries me uh, is that, pro that that problem. And the cash flows are consistent and they're, they're decent. But for the size of the business, uh, $6 billion market cap, you know, I, I don't love it. I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's not that fantastic. Um, so I would probably hold it in the near term as profits are looking like they're going to be rebounding in 2021. 20, uh, and I think markets will start pricing that in. And I think markets will adjust for the Brexit uh, change. And it is relatively undervalued, I will say that. Uh, but if you're looking for the dividend, uh, then I don't think this is a great long-term dividend play. I think you're you're more like a bond, and I would pass on Vodafone. So I, I would I would hold it for now until uh, you get a little bit more appreciation, get to fair value, which is around twenty three, twenty four dollars, and then that's when I would sell it. Thanks for the call. Now, as you probably noticed, Steve and I make it a practice get as many caller questions in as possible. So let's do that now. This came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi guys, I have a question on a fund I've been uh, looking at. QQQ seems to have a good diversification, pays a good dividend in that. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this fund. Is this worth a long-term investment in? Thanks very much. Love the show. Look forward to hearing your answers on the podcast. All right. Well, you're looking at one of the most popular exchange-traded funds in the world, the Q's, NASDAQ 100. And this is very heavily weighted towards about five stocks here, and you're talking about Apple, you're talking about Amazon, and you're talking about Microsoft, as well as Google and Facebook, and you get Intel, Comcast, but those top five make up about 40% of this fund, about that. Uh, so you're very, very leveraged towards those businesses, and I think tech stocks in general are 
probably the we're in tech bubble 2.0 now a lot of that is on the private market and you're seeing that with a lot of these failed ipos are trying to come to market and they're just not not being that successful um but you know apple a lot of these are great companies i'm not bashing these companies except maybe facebook but uh, they're all they're all great companies they're just drastically overvalued so from a timing perspective it's a horrible time to be buying the queues but from a long-term perspective, after a correction, you get into a bear market. These, this is the type of name that you would want to pick up. You want to start uh, increasing your allocation to. But at this point, I would absolutely pass on the cues. So, hope that helps. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Monday, and Steve Peasley will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.